There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 104 of the Digital Freemason podcast for the week of March 16th, 2009. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking along on our excellent adventures through the world of short Masonic educational papers. As always, this and all other papers are available at the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com, and I encourage you to swing by and check them out. So the emails keep flying in, and uh, comments, and, and which I greatly appreciate. And one of the other things that I'd like to ask of everybody is if, um, if you're interested in you can part with a little bit of change. The annual hosting for the website has come due, and so I've had to pay that. And any donations that you can put forward in support of that would be greatly appreciated. And you can do that via the secure via PayPal, which has a link on it on the website. So I think it's called uh, Care to Donate. So if you can do that, I would greatly appreciate that. This week's episode comes from Brother Julian Cambridge and deals with uh, fitness and what is a necessary requirement to be a true Freemason and what it's required to be receptive to some of the thoughts and philosophies of Freemasonry and also what it takes to get through the ritual. So let's get started right now then with Brother Cambridge's piece. We fail if we do not make our members fit to receive the special instruction that is unique to the Masonic Lodge. It is well understood that one does not attempt calculus without algebra and geometry as its foundations. In a word, one must be made fit to receive advanced knowledge by the acquisition of lesser knowledge. The symbolic lodges have a very great responsibility of making masons. But what does it mean to make a mason? The answer to this question will vary, but minimally it must mean that it makes a man fit to receive a higher knowledge than he has been exposed to earlier. This unfitness is achieved by sharing experiences found nowhere else in the world and by imposing a severe self-discipline that has no equivalent in any other endeavor. It is achieved by undergoing a ritual. To understand ritual and what it has to do with the concept of fitness, we must distinguish between ritual and ceremony. A ceremony binds people together as a social unit. Ritual is intended to effect a profound change in the character of that participant. The example of a wedding may serve to help make this distinction clear. For the observer at a wedding, it is only a ceremony, uniting not only two individuals, but also uniting two families. But for the participants, the marriage is a ritual, intended to effect very fundamental changes in their outlook on the world and themselves. Over time, the importance of the ritual characteristics of a marriage have declined, and divorces have risen, as even the participants see marriage as nothing more than a ceremony, or, consequently, feel no real bond to each other, no permanent transformation that only a ritual can give. It is equally true in Freemasonry that appreciation of the transformative character of Masonic ritual has begun to decline, and the workings of many lodges have become more ceremonies, or worse yet, mere entertainment. The result is that too many newly made Masons possess the title in name only, and do not understand the great weight of responsibility set upon them to preserve and to protect the great truths given by the Freemasonry to Freemasons. We, 
we all fail at the greatest responsibility of leadership if we do not prepare our members to receive that special instruction unique to the Masonic Lodge, if we do not make them fit to receive it. The power of Freemasonry resides in its ritual, its fellowship, its catechisms, its tradition, and its moral truths. This power exists because of the ability of our fraternity to transform its members from ordinary good men to extraordinary better men. The need for Masonic education is universally understood, and many Grand Lodge jurisdictions have begun programs to help fix this condition. However, at times it appears Freemasonry is compromising its standards in order to accommodate those aspirants who are not fit and properly prepared to embrace the elevated teachings of our fraternity which it possesses. While this might be a positive gesture regarding membership statistics, we must be very careful not to lower the standards of our noble order and its teachings as, as it requires. We must be prepared to demand high qualifications from applicants insofar as we can observe them. Doing so, this will assist the newly initiated Brother Mason and assure continuation and perpetuation of Freemasonry itself. In order to take advantage of the Masonic heritage, the Mason is encouraged to be tenacious enough to review his Freemasonic teachings continually. Otherwise, he can stray from the true Masonic path, from Masonic joy to complacence, and sink into a quagmire of disinterestedness. The Mason must be prepared to work, because study and learning must coincide with a striving for intimate attachment to the principles of our fraternity. However, study alone is not enough. The Mason must be prepared, willing, and ready to apply Freemasonry's lessons to his life and to share them with others. Masons must be willing to devote sustained energy to accepting the responsibilities of our Masonic lessons. Every effort must be made to impress upon and teach these to each newly made Mason. He must be able to recognize and repudiate the approach that will take knowledge as an end in itself and instead come to the conviction that the aim of Masonic study and application is to acquire nobility of character, integrity, and good habits. He must be prompted to dedicate himself to the willing service of people and to attempt to exert his influence upon them for good, rather than to remain apart and aloof. We, by our very own nature, are evolving beings. We never stand still. We are always becoming something else. Therefore, we are always encouraged to review our Masonic teachings and principles. Then, recommit our lives to them. This promises to be an ongoing process because there is no genuineness in our existence without a sense of commitment and indebtedness. Without a cognizance that man must transcend himself, his needs and his self-interests, without the realization that our existence involves celebration, satisfaction, and exaltation, it is difficult for Masons to think of themselves as true Masons without being conscious of, of their indebtedness. The true Mason has a sense of being committed to a continuous task being called upon to experience living and receiving as well as taking. To the Mason, this is the most important experience in joy in life. Masonry's meaning, therefore, is found in the understanding the demands that make our craft and in the responding to them. Furthermore, Masons are strongly encouraged to strive to acquire a thorough knowledge of the world in which they are living. 
This becomes a necessary prerequisite for comprehending the conditions of their brothers and sisters, whom they will be asked to serve. To commit oneself fully to the teachings and principles of Freemasonry, then, requires a leap, a suspension of one's inevitable self-centeredness. Thus, the ability to love is a Masonic qualification of a paramount importance. To each, effecting positive change, love, and compassion are offered first before we commence our practical assistance to the less fortunate. Finally, there are three conditions a Mason must meet. The perfection of his intellectual faculties, an active imagination to probe the concepts conveyed by Masonic imagery, and, as a result, the determination to live a strong moral life. Then, and only then, will he be fit to be a Mason. So there is Brother Cambridge's piece on uh, the necessary requirement uh, to be a Freemason, that being uh, fitness. I like that piece, and it dovetails well into a presentation we just had in our lodge, Bow River Lodge Number 1, about mentorship and what is involved in mentoring. So it talked about being prepared as a candidate and to learn the knowledge, but also for being a mentor to guide that person through and the ritual work that's involved in making sure that everyone gets the, the proper ritual and not ceremony, as Brother Cambridge talks about. So if you would like this or any of the other episodes, again, feel free to swing by the website, thedigitalfreemason.com, and I'd love to see some donations if you can. But more importantly, I'd love to get your emails and your comments and any other items that might be good for future episodes. I'd love to get a hold of them. And you can email me at podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com. So until next time, be sure to keep the shiny side up.